Welcome everybody to the Thrivestry Podcast, Mastering the Art of Thriving at Life, where we talk about creating change in our lives and in the world around us. I'm your host, Jeremy Jones, and this is my other host, Gigi. Say hi, Gigi. Hi. Gigi's real name is Genevieve. I don't know if you guys know that, but that's the, uh, that's the trivia of, of the day. So, but uh, we like calling her Gigi. I'm JJ. She's Gigi. It works out. Um, so today what we're going to talk about is another sort of tool, and I talked about this before with kind of the the increasing the average and just sort of the plus plus minus minus format where we just think about the last couple days of, of our of a particular thing we're trying to change, whether it's nutrition or, or our fitness or some other part of our life that we're trying to create change in. And, um, and I saw an article by James Clear, you know, one of my favorite guys for creating changes in habits. And, and um, I think the article is from about five years ago. So it's, it's not it's not new. But what, what he's talking about is, um, you know, not trying to uh, measure forward, but measuring backward. And, and what he's talking about is something similar, where we're just going to look back at the previous week, and we need to make sure that we're getting some sort of feedback, because uh, immediate feedback from the most recent things is much more important for creating long-term change than setting up all this organization and plans ahead of time and looking to our, you know, our far-reaching goals. Um, it's much more important to kind of know where we're at right now. Um, and I talk about this a lot in, in my programming stuff. It's the, the OODA loop, the O-O-D-A loop, observe, <laughs> orient, decide, act. Um, and and, uh, and it's, it's one of the ways that, that we can always be, you know, putting ourselves in a perspective so we can, you know, pick which, which things we want to do, right? And then the, the, the article we wanted to go over today was one in the Wall Street Journal a couple days ago, um, basically <laughs> why men won't go to the doctor, right? And it's really interesting seeing some of the statistics of how little men will actually go see a physician. And Gigi and uh, Gigi already talked about this a little bit. And, and I have to confess that I don't think I've been to the doctor in over 10 years, maybe, maybe more. <laughs> Which, you know, is a good thing, but it's also kind of a, could be a bad thing, right? Because there could be something going on I don't know about. Um, and, uh, you know, why is that? And, and, and this article was going over ways of almost tricking men into going to see the doctor and getting some other tests done. And, and being more proactive about their health versus versus reactive and basically waiting until they die or they can't pee anymore. Um, I just want to say before you go on, with respect to this article, as a woman, I have very specific views and and triggers reading this article. So for any women that are listening to this podcast that are like, I don't really give a fuck, neither do I. <laughs> and we're gonna talk about that and I can't wait. <laughs> Well, and, and, and uh, not to go into it too much right now, but, but uh, um, I, think, I think what is interesting is it's an extreme case, and, and, uh, um, but it's, it's real, and they're, you know, they're figuring out ways around it. And, but how do we apply this to, like, for the gym, for example, and that people don't want to go to the gym? Everyone knows they need to have some sort of fitness um, routine to, um, to make them healthier, but as, as fitness professionals, as coaches and whatever, it's our job to almost trick people you know, into, into doing these things and doing things that, that we know that they need to do, um, but they just don't want to do or don't have the motivation to do. So, so um, that's how I'm going to kind of approach, approach that article. So it's not just about the, the, men, the men issue, men's health. Um, uh, but let's talk about this, this habit thing. Um, what sort of metrics are you tracking now, Gigi? Do you, do you measure anything? Do you track anything kind of um, from a, like a health and fitness or habit realm? Yeah, I always look at three main things. One is my stress and like how, how stressed out I am on a day-to-day -day basis. That's my overall litmus test that I use. Um, second is my sleep. And then the third thing is how, how many times did I get to lift weights? I have a very active lifestyle, so I don't need to track that. I have three kids. We do lots of sports. So that I don't have to track that because it's built into our lifestyle already. It's a habit that's already been formed. Um, but those are the three things that I look at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a, it's a good point. It's it, sometimes you measure things because they're easy to measure, like, like pay, just paying attention to how much sleep you got and it was a good, you know, the quality and the quantity. Um, but sometimes you measure things uh, that you need to focus on because other things aren't much of a problem. You know, like if you're already, you know, um, if you're already pretty lean and you've already got really good, um, uh, your routine set up around your food, you don't need to like focus on that. It's kind of a, it's kind of wasted effort. You know, one of my favorite sort of concepts that I learned from martial arts was, you know, in the beginning, um, it takes an ounce of effort to produce a pound of results. And in the end, it takes a pound of effort 
to create an ounce of results. And this is very true when it comes to fitness, you know, going from, you know, 30% body fat to, to 25 or 20 is a lot easier than going from 15 to 10, you know, and, and, uh, and, and same thing too, when you're, you know, when you're trying to, uh, you know, add, you know, go from 150 pound back squat to 175, that is, is much easier than going from, you know, you know, three, you know, 375 to 400. Um, even though it's a smaller percentage of the total, it's because your, you know, physics get involved and other things get involved. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of people will tend to kind of get hyper-focused on something because they like doing it and they're already pretty good at it. And so they'll keep putting all this effort into that thing that they're already 80% of the way there when they could spend a lot less effort on something that would give them a much better return. Um, and this is actually what I do when I program, right? You know, when I create the workouts and sort of the programs for people, you know, I'm always thinking about, because we're trying to be fit across as many domains as possible. And I was just actually writing an article today about, um, you know, kind of the multi-tool, uh, um, uh, you know, example of fitness or the, or the EDC everyday carry or the, the little black dress is another analogy I use or Marie condoing your, your fitness priorities are all, it's all in the same article. And, and it's basically saying like, like, you know, one of the analogies I came up with is, is, you know, if you, if you had to, um, if you had to go on a trip, and it was going to be a, a long extended trip and you only had a small backpack or a small handbag to bring with you to pack everything, you're going to want to make sure that you bring stuff that's, that's multi-use, you know, um, lightweight and multi-purpose, right? So, so you think things that you can, that you can use in lots of different scenarios and don't, aren't going to weigh you down a whole lot. Right. And, and so, um, that's the way our fitness should be. Our fitness should, should allow us to do many different things and, and it shouldn't be a big burden on us. That's the lightweight part. And it should be something that comes up, right? We use regularly. We shouldn't pack something or, or train for something that almost is never going to show up. And so going back to this concept of sort of measuring and tracking, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're focusing on one domain, specializing in one domain, but you're, you're lacking something else, we can put a little bit of effort over here where, you're really, where your capacity is really reduced. And that brings up the overall average much, much better. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And it also like, I always struggle with kind of the mental load of this stuff, right? And and what you're suggesting is that well, you don't really need to focus on the stuff that you're already good at and that you're already getting a baseline of. Don't don't worry about it. Just but you know, do this instead and do this instead, and that's going to give you a bigger return and a bigger um, just it's just a better use of your resources, right? And yeah, yeah, exactly. Even if you have some extra time and energy to devote to something, instead of trying to focus on the thing that you're already that's already done, doing pretty well, unless unless you plan on you know, spending a, it's okay to spend a period of time focusing on something very specific, even though you're already good at it, because maybe, you, you know, it's motivating you and you want to do well at this race, or you want to do, you know, really good, there's a really big thing at work that you have to push through, you know, that's fine. But in general, you know, if you have the time and the resources, you be, should be spending it on the areas where you need the most help, or you have the most room to grow, that's going to give you the best ret return on your investment. Um, but going back to this, like just measuring and getting feedback on the most recent thing, this is one of the reasons why I'm so big on recording your workouts. Um, uh, so if you're going, you know, in, in your training, you should actually have something that you're measuring, you know, whether it's, um, you know, uh, uh, the loads on your lifts or, you know, max reps of, of, of something like pull-ups or push-ups um, or benchmarks, right? And so my programming, I program usually two workouts that are going to be um, old school benchmarks or ones that I've been doing for years. Um, and then I'm going to repeat two or three workouts from the previous six months or a year, sometimes even two years. Um, but it's just a regular workout. And then, um, and then usually two or three new workouts. So it kind of depends each week. Some week we only have do one new workout. Some week we might do three or four. But these, these are all averages. And by, by constantly recording them, um, you can go back. And, and one of the reasons I like recording is uh, one of the biggest reasons is just so that you know that you've trained three or four days last week. Right? You're just trying to be consistent. And not necessarily looking at the performances exactly, but just checking it off. You know, I did this. And if you put in the numbers that you did it, that's, that's like the easiest way to measure. It's kind of like measuring sleep hours. But what's great is if you're consistent with measuring, then you can go back and see that workout from six months ago, which is a relatively short time when it comes to training, kind of physical changes in the body. You know, that short-term measurement is going to give you feedback. Did you improve? You know, where, you know, where didn't you? Well, maybe you got worse here, you know. Yeah. Sort of There's yeah. no bullshit in that, right? Like if you, my coach always says to me like, okay, Gigi, we, you, you know, I'm supposed to work out four times a week and I never do because there's all like, I'm a single mom with three kids and I've got work to do. And there's, you know, 
snow days and whatever shit happens. And I have come to terms with that. But then the problem is that I think like at this point, I'm too laid back with it. Right. And I've, I've got like, well, I really am behind on the laundry and I have to get the laundry down. It's like, do you like, is that really a priority? You know? Um, so anyway, so my coach is really good with at the end of every month. He's like, okay, so this month, how many times did you work out? And I'm like, well, you know, I think I, I think it was probably like 10 or 12. And he's like, it was six. So, you know, (laughs) really good at just being like, you can't fool the data, right? Whereas it's a lot different when you're, when you're tracking things versus kind of how you felt about it. So then when you're a regular old gym goer and you're kind of like, well, I've been at this gym and I'm not really getting the results that you want. If you're tracking it, you can look back and see like, is it the gym's fault? I'm not getting my results or is it my fault? You know, and like, I feel like I've been sleeping a lot better, but you go back and you look at the data and you're like, yeah, I really have been actually like that. No, no, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about it a lot. Not actually doing the thing. Right. So you can't, you can't fool the data, you know? Yeah. That, and that's, that I think is, is one of the biggest takeaways here is, is by just by just re-recording for the last, you know, four or five days or last week, you know, that plus minus method, just having something that just gives you the real data. So you're not, you're not trying to think, oh yeah, like I had a, last couple of weeks has been pretty good. And it's, I'm always shocked. I mean, this is again, coming from a science background, like, like you, like it's always shocking when you remember, you think you remember something and you'd like bet money on it, you'd swear on it. And then you go look at your notes or and you're like, Oh, well, that wasn't, that wasn't it at all. You know, <laughs> you know and it, it, like for me, like, it's definitely like, Oh yeah, I've been training pretty good for the last few weeks. And then I go look and I'm like, no, I haven't. That was, that was like two, <laughs> maybe two weeks that I've been good consistently. Um, well, it's a really good way to hold yourself accountable, right? Like that, like it's great data to like give someone else so that they can hold you accountable, but you can mm-hmm. also call your own bullshit at that point. But then the trick, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but for me is to like, if I have not been good at all, to not fall down like a shame spiral kind of thing, right? Where I'm like, oh, I'm so terrible. Like I've been trying so hard and did only, I've only done this and... And I know that that's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like to look back. And it's that like forward-looking mentality, like whatever's in the past, you can't change. There's nothing you can do about it. Just just get, do the next thing, do the next thing, do the next thing, which is really good to do, but not if you're trying to like hold yourself accountable and stuff, right? So you need to have a balance, I think. Right? Yeah. And that's that plus minus method where, where you're really only worried about the most recent feedback, you know, um, in this article, he talks about like using, like if you're an entrepreneur or you're, you're tracking your blog hits or whatever, you can't make decisions based on what happened two years ago. You know, that's just too far and that's not really good. You need to know what, what you've been doing recently. Um, and you shouldn't be so like, if you haven't worked out in 20 years or you haven't, you know, you've had like a one year hiatus, you shouldn't beat yourself up over that and, and be like, I'm such a failure and just be like, I haven't worked out in a few days. You know, I need to plan to do a workout. And then, and then the, the technique I really enjoy is the, um, is the, the on off versus the, the scale one to 10, you know, when it comes to exercise, especially, um, and this is true for food and other things too. You don't always have to, it's not zero or 10, you know, and I fall into this, this trap pretty regularly because I create workout programming and I live in the fitness world where like, if I can't, you know, carve out an hour, hour and a half of my time, two hours of my time, to do all the stuff that I want to get done and wear this big rubber suit, which is a whole nother story that I have to tell you about. It's not the gimp suit, it's something different, but it looks kind of like the gimp suit. I look more like scuba Steve from, from, uh, <laughs> from big daddy but um I wear this sweatsuit and I'm like oh I don't have time to put on my sweats and my sweatsuit and like you know oh, I'm just not gonna work out then you know and and it's not that's not how it works like you know or I'm, I'm, I'm tired I don't have a lot of time you know I've got laundry to do instead of saying you know what what is a one on that scale you know is it a set of squats and a set of push-ups and that's it you know you can do a one today you can do one just about any day you know, and, and how can, okay, a lot of times once you start and you get the one or two, you just go in the mindset, I'm just going to do, so I'm just going to, you know, do some mobility and, you know, do some rehab stuff. And then you're like, oh, I feel pretty good. I'm going to do a set of 20 air squats. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do a set of push-ups And like, all right. And then, okay, maybe I'll do two sets. And you're like, oh, I feel pretty good. I'm going to, you know, and then it, and then it builds from there. But in general, you should be happy with just the one or two. And then some days will be a 10, you know, but, but ideally, you know, you're doing something versus it's not, it's not, all or nothing when it comes to these things. Um, and so, and so go, again, not beating yourself up over having a failure for a week or two or a year, you know, just thinking back the last few days and saying, ah, you know, I've been kind of, I've been kind of sucking lately, you know, like no big deal. I'm going to get a one today just to just go start somewhere. Right. 
I like it. Things that I measure personally is the frequency of my workouts. Um, uh, and, and I do, I do track some of my workouts, but for the most part, um, at this point, like I'm just at a, at a phase where I just want to make sure that I'm trying to get some sort of fitnessing in, you know, um, you know, three or four times a week. And I try to, I try to average more than I need. Right. Because, because if I, you know, I, 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 you know, I always talk about, um, um, everybody should try to, to train no more than four days in a row and try to avoid having more than two days off. Right. And that's going to cover your, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday people. It's going to cover, you know, um, three on one off. It's going to cover everything. And that's going to get really 95% of people. If you get into that realm, you're going to be good more than four days in a row, especially with thrive you're it's, you're going to start over time. It'll start to weigh you down, right. It'll sort of beat you up a little bit. Um, but uh, um, so if you do come five days a week, you just want to take like either Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe at a lower intensity um, so that you can so that you can uh, um, make sure that you're not you're not outpacing your ability to recover. And and uh, um, uh, so so there's just way there's ways around that. And so the reason why I want to say you want to round up a little bit is because of the natural uh, um, scheduling th- issues that we all run into. So if you're, if you're trying to get an average of three to four workouts per week and, and you do a few weeks of four and then you have a, oh, you miss a week, you know, your average is still going to be pretty good. So you should still, you should try to come a little bit more than you know you need because of life, right? Life's going to happen. You know, you're going to get sick. You're going to get busy. You're going to go on a trip, all these things. And so, and so I try to, I try to, round up, you know, so I try, I try to get some lifting in, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I try to do a lift in a, in a Metcon, you know, two or three times a week. And then I try to do, you know, either a longer Metcon or, um, lately I've been doing a lot more just outdoor activities. So just going on hikes and, and trail runs and, and putting the, the backpack on and doing the, uh, doing the ruck marches just, just to get outside more. Um, just trying to get outside in nature more, but that's one of the things I track. The other thing I, tr- uh, um, I go through periods where I'll track macros and stuff just to see where I'm at. Um, um, and, and I, I tend to under eat, believe it or not, <laughs> because I'm so limited because I can't eat, uh, gluten or corn. Um, and so, and, and I'm fine with missing meals. It doesn't bother me. So I get so distracted that I'll go hours, you know, without eating. So sometimes, you know, I eat dinner the night before at like seven or eight at night and then, and then I won't eat again until three or four the next day. And I'm not even really hungry. Um, that's not what I consider healthy, and especially especially with with exercise and training. I need to make sure that I'm maintaining, you know, the right amount of protein and calories to sustain to sustain my body weight. So I, tra- so I track macros a little bit. I definitely pay attention to sleep, but I'm pretty good with sleep. So it's more along the lines of um, if I do get a bad night's sleep or two, I deliberately make sure the next couple of days I'm going to get more sleep. You know. Yeah. So that's how you use like that plus minus effect, right? So if you're like if you're looking back like three days and you're like plus minus minus, then you know, okay, I'm down. So I need to go plus, I need plus. To make a point mm-hmm. to go plus plus. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and getting that immediate feedback, just measuring the last, the last couple of days, you know, the same thing goes with, with family time, you know, like sometimes it's easy to get distracted and busy with work and whatever. And I realize that I haven't, you know, hung out with, with um, Jamie or Jackson. So I, so I make sure I'm, going to spend quality time with them or, you know, I'm looking at the schedule seeing, okay, what, where can I, you know, instead of just going into the default where I'm going to work at night, you know, and get this stuff done. Oh, I, I can't wait to get this stuff done. I'll be like, you know what, that stuff can wait until tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to hang out with the family. Cool. Um, when it comes to, uh, I'm trying to think of what else, what other things can people track? that that's um, oh my god there's so much that they can track you can track your water intake you can track your mobility you can track i like i said i i track my stress level because that's a pretty good indicator uh, do you just do you just have like a it was stressful and not stressful or do you have like a scale it's just yes or no yeah that's a good question i've never actually had to talk about it i was loud. curious when you mentioned it. i was like oh i wonder how she measures stress yeah well for me it's it's if i'm stressed out i'm not sleeping and I don't eat properly and I run myself into the ground, right? So I kind of have to like do a check at the end of every day and just be like, okay, so like I check in with myself, right? And then if I, if I am stressed out, then I usually will just shut down um, and just be like, no, the laundry can wait, the dishes can wait, that project can wait, that can wait, that can wait, that can wait, go to, you know, and if, yeah. I, and if my stress is, is good and at the end of the day I feel good, then I'll stay up and I'll, I'll like do stuff, not stay up late, but just not go to bed. Right. So that's kind of like how I handle at the end of the day, if I'm super stressed out, there's nothing that I can do about it at that point. So just go to bed. 
right? Yeah, I was, was going to ask, what are, what are, do you have specific coping things that are life-giving or stress-reducing? You know, some people, it's just go, just stop working and read a nice book and go to bed early. You know, that's an easy one. Uh, you take a nice bath, you know, or do yoga or, some, you know, meditate. Those, those sort of things are ways that you can, are, are proactive ways. Because I think a lot of times when people think about stress, they only think about reduce, how do I reduce the stress. And sometimes that's not an option. You know, when you just have life going on, it's not like you can just be like, well, I'm not going to do go to that meeting or take my kid to that practice. I'm just going to sit home. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, you know? totally. I, and I don't have those options at all. Like if, if I don't work, then there's no money. And if I don't want to take my kid, then nobody takes the kid. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just, I have a lot of responsibilities. So for me, it's like, I don't have an option of skipping stuff or taking a weekend off or, you know, taking it easy for a few days. Like I just, that just doesn't exist in my world, right? So, um, so that's why my go-to is sleep. And that, but that's on top of like getting outside and making sure I'm working out and eating, you know, not eating, drinking too much and not eating too much sugar and like all that other stress management stuff, right? But, um, but yeah, there's so much stuff you can you can track. You can track like um, your outside time. That's a really really important one. Most people don't spend enough time outside. Um, I'm part of a group. Uh, it's hashtag 150 hours outside hashtag 150 hours outside, I think is what it is. And it's basically the goal is for you and your family to be outside for 40 minutes a day or something like that. Or it's like an hour every day, every season, or I've never really figured it out, but it's just all like, I've never figured out the details. I don't care. Because mm -hmm. the point is that it's, it encourages you to just spend time outside, spend time outside, spend time outside, especially with your kids. Cause it's so easy to just default to being inside and doing stuff inside. And then you'll, you'll go a couple of days without being outside at all. If it's raining for a few days or if it's too hot for a few days and then. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's a good point. You know, like it's easy for us when we're stressed out and busy, you know, we're working from home. We don't want to go anywhere and we just let our kids sit inside and watch TV or play video games, you know, instead of, instead of purposely going out and doing an activity and taking them to the park or letting them, making them play outside or whatever. Um, it's, it's easy when we get stressed out that they pay the price, right? That, that, and you know, there could be compromises and you take them to the park and maybe you get some work done, you know, at least they're outside, you're outside and you're getting work done, but, but, uh, um, but at least they're not sitting on the TV or whatever. Um, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so outside time, I think is a really important one that people track, um, screen time, even mm -hmm. for adults, I think is super important, right? Um, yeah, yeah. All our phones now tell you what, how much time you're spending on every app and how much time you're on the phone every day. And and the more you can reduce that, the better. <laughs> I did. I got a landline for my house. Mm. And now my when I get home, my phone gets put away. If someone wants to call me, they just call my landline. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I I, I do the no no social media Sundays, and and uh, if I do use the computer, I try to avoid using the computer at all. But I'll just watch you know fun YouTube videos or whatever. Um, something or maybe read read articles kind of like it's the new version of the newspaper or whatever and and um, but I try to stay off I stay off social media and I'm trying to increase that to other days of the week maybe not completely off but like no not after a certain time um, that sort of thing because they can get sucked in really easily um, one thing that's really interesting is speaking of phones and how they measure things is all the is all the tracking apps you know or tracking devices like like the Fitbit and this is an iWatch um, you know heart rate monitors and all that stuff and what's great about that, you know, so far the evidence has shown it doesn't make people any, any fitter. <laughs> There's no, like wearing a Fitbit, like over the long term, doesn't really make people walk more or, or do fitness more, believe it or not. So it's not, it's not a way, you know, you know, buying that thing might get you excited in the moment and you have this money invested. And so now, oh, it's, it's buzzing you. Really quickly do, do people just adapt back to their normal, you know, procedure of just ignoring it, <laughs> go back to their usual defaults. But the, uh, but the benefit is, is, is if you are wearing it for tracking, it does at least automatically record something, you know? So, you know, if you're using it, you can use it for sleep. You know, um, I, I remember I had the, um, I bought the, the Zio sleep tracker, which is this thing you wore on your head at night and it measured your brain waves. Um, unfortunately they went bankrupt, but <laughs> the app still worked for a long time after I haven't, I haven't put, busted it out in a long time, but it measured your, 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 your deep wave and your REM sleep and it measured all these things and it graphed it out and it gave you a score at the end of the day, you know, total time and all that stuff. And that was really great because, because it motivated me to, to change some of my sleeping habits enough to where even though that I don't use it anymore, I still, 
you know, do the right things to get the most, the most out of it. You know, for my watch, you know, I still turn it on when I work out and it does measure heart rate and things like that. Not that I'm trying to hit certain heart rate zones or whatever. Um, um, it's more along the lines of, I just want to make sure that I'm recording that I worked out and you know, that my heart rate was an average of a certain level for a certain amount of time. Um, um, that's another good one. And also like the watch does tell me to get up if I've been sitting for too long. And so that's really good. It tells me, you know, a lot of times I ignore it if I'm in the middle of something important. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, I might get up and walk around. I might uh, do some prehab mobility stuff, you know, and that, so those little things can, can, can help you track, you know, immediate feedback, immediate data to, to again, plan for tomorrow and the next day, not necessarily worrying about the long-term ramifications because you know that if you continue to make 1% improvements every day, every week, that compounds into big changes in the long run. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this article. I love this. I love the picture here at the beginning. Um, let me see if I can the hat. The hat. <laughs> um, yeah. So it has this dude in a, in a gown hiding, hiding behind a big cowboy hat from the doctor. It was a giant hand with a, with a stethoscope. And, and I think that the, the premise here is, is that, um, uh, or kind of what what the what what they talk about is how men go to the doctor far fewer. And it was really funny talking to Gigi. She's like, "Yeah, you know, I, I think it. You know, women just go to the doctor more." She's like, "Well, partially because we have kids, and like, you know, when you're pregnant and all that stuff, like, you have to get checked out more." And and uh, you know, I I don't know. I I maybe it's just the male in me, but I feel like women's bodies are more complicated, <laughs> so they definitely need more attention. Is that what you think? That is that is so far from the truth. In the I, way I know, I know, but that's that that's kind of like what my what my you know simple brain wants to like think. Like, no, that's not true at all. Like, that's ridiculous. But but what? But I think what was really interesting was um, you know some of the, st the statistics, and they say there's a lot of men who the last doctor they see is their pediatrician. And they don't go back to the doctor for until their 40s or 50s. And, and uh, you know, and, and it says here, like, the, you know, most men go, they only go to the doctor when they're extremely sick. They say that they're healthy, they have no reason to go. I'm afraid, I'm afraid of learning that something is wrong with me, which is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Like, the sooner you find out something's wrong with you, the, the easier it is to fix and correct. Um, people, they, they say they like to, to treat themselves naturally. They don't like doctors. They don't have time to go. And they don't have health insurance is another one in the States. But, but uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, uh, almost six in 10 men say there are things that keep them from going to the doctor. And those are the most common ones. And I think what was, what was some of the, the things that they point out was that men tend to, you know, in our society, you know, saying I'm sick or I need help from a doctor is a sign of weakness, right? And men are taught to not, you know, show that weakness. And I think another, another one too is um, I, I want to fix it myself. You know, like I don't, you know, I want to try to do, I want to take care of it myself. I don't want to burden anybody else. I don't want to, it's not that I don't want help. It's just that I don't want to burden anybody else. Like I can, I can do it myself, which is, which is a, a problem. And it's, it's really hard. It's something that I struggle with all the time, whether it's my health or my business is like, I'm always like, well, I can take care of it myself, you know, especially when it comes to health, because I'm, you know, a health guy, you <laughs> know, like I know so much, but at the same time, I've been thinking a lot about this. I'm turning 40 this year. And I was like, you know, I, I do need to go get a physical <laughs> and get my blood check, you know, my blood check, my blood pressure and all that stuff and, and uh, see if there's anything going on. I don't know about. Um, uh, but what was what I thought was interesting about this article was that it goes on to talk about what they've been doing is tricking men. <laughs> all right. Okay. I have to stop you there because before you go on to why you think that this is important, I have to say why I don't care at all like okay. no no part of me cares about anything in this article about the 21 percent 20 and a half percent of men who haven't been to the doctor in the last year like i don't care because there are so much more as a woman i'm like okay you have this whole healthcare system that is literally designed around your bodies to treat your problems women have really serious issues that are being completely ignored we go to the doctor and they're still not able to fix us and you guys go you've got everything you don't go you've got everything there at your fingertips and you still don't even go because of some sociological thing that you've got stuck in your head like I don't care. Like literally no part of me cares. And I have like, there's like really important stats about this, right? So like women have heart attack, like our symptoms for heart attacks are completely different than men's. We don't get 
chest pain. We don't get shoulder on your left side. None of that stuff happens to women. It's completely different symptoms, which is like not common knowledge. This is literally half the population that we're talking about here. And it's not common knowledge what symptoms are for a heart attack. So because of that, women's heart attack survival rates five years after they have a heart attack is 50%. For a man, survival rates are people that, sorry, not survival rates, the opposite. So 35% of men, five years after they've had a heart attack, will not survive. 50% of women will not survive. But more, but more men have heart attacks. No, they don't. The, 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 the rate of heart attacks is the same for men and women? It's the same. It's oh. the same. You want to know about strokes? So between 1993 and 2010, men's rate of stroke went from 275 to 200 for every, um, oh, sorry, to under 200 for every 100,000 men. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a 30% reduction in strokes for men. For women, it stayed exactly the same, 250 in every 100,000 people. So now women experience more heart attacks, the same amount of strokes, or sorry, the same amount of heart attacks and more strokes. And there is no research. Like, it's so clear. We stayed the same over a 20-year period because there's no funding going to research women's health. And you guys are like, well, we don't go to the doctor because we don't like to tell people that we're weak. And I'm like, dude... One of the other statistics here, on average, a woman will wait six and a half years from the times they first experience symptoms until they obtain a diagnosis for a urinary problem. Six and a half years of going back and forth to the doctor. Like we go and they still can't look after us because the healthcare system is so skewed. So like literally- You think it's skewed, you think it's skewed toward women? No, it's skewed towards men because all of their yeah, yeah. What about what about um, how many breast cancer fundraisers have you heard of in the last ten years versus how many testicular cancer fundraisers have you heard about? So, are you seriously bringing that up? Like that's like one thing. Well, I'm one just I'm using it as an example that that like there's a lot more attention put to certain certain you know like you said it's way skewed toward the 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 men's side, but I'm like. That's not necessarily true. There are situations where like, you brought up some specific examples. I was bringing up a specific example, you know, that, that, that I have way more specific examples than just one type of cancer fundraiser. So a bunch of women get together and raise money for breast cancer every year. Like that doesn't, that doesn't change anything about the fact that we're still dying more often from heart attacks, significantly more often from heart attacks, dying significantly more often from strokes. But men yeah. die more often, period. They, because they don't go to the doctor. Whose fault is that? You <laughs> <That's> know, like, <laughs> but but like you mentioned, like the urinary, the, the urinary tract thing. I don't know the statistics for the men. Is it more common? Is it, do, do men get their urinary tract infections or problems solved sooner? I don't, we'd have to see what the comparable. Not only do they get solved sooner, 80% of people who experience urinary, urinary tract or urinary issues, dysfunction, are women. 80%. And it still takes six and a half years to How get How long does it take back. for men to get their stuff straightened out? Um, 18 months. Oh, that's pretty good. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe women's bodies are a little more complicated than men's. Yeah, because you guys get all the research done. They're not more complicated or not. They're just, you want to know what else? 30% of clinical trial subjects in cardiovascular research are women. 30%. Maybe it's because women aren't signing up for those trials. What? No, you, you wouldn't sign up for that. Like a doctor would just say, here's what you've got to do. Right. You have to agree to it. Right. You have to agree to it. The, um, the, the, the yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that you went this, this direction with this. This isn't the direction I was. I couldn't even, honestly, you sent me that article and like, I couldn't even finish reading it because I was just like, I honestly don't even care. Like there's so many issues. I know so many people that have struggled with, with depression and been told because they're a woman that they're just hysterical and that there's nothing wrong with them. Women experience mental health twice as often as men and we are diagnosed or misdiagnosed 50% of the time. But there is, I mean, even with that in mind, there's like certain, certain things are more common for men like, like uh, schizophrenia and things like that are and uh, autism spectrum is usually more on the male side, right? Um, it depends how you look at the diagnosis though, right? So like, like ASD has more severe people as men, but less severe as women, right? So like women so are- So they might not even be getting diagnosed. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. 
Um, yeah. Well, and the other thing too about that is that women are like some of the some of the major things characteristics of autism women are are taught to do from a very early age like make eye contact sit still like there's whereas a boy it's like oh boys will be boys and they're allowed to kind of carry on with the autistic systems or symptoms and then they like when they're like 10 like huh something's not right but the girl has been trained to like sit still and like you know Mm -hmm. do all that so they have the same exact neurological issues but just one behaviorally has been trained that it's okay yeah, yeah. I mean, but it is it is interesting you mentioned those statistics because this graph here shows that men have a much higher high blood pressure, almost double the amount of diabetes, um, higher cancer rates and higher heart disease rates than women. Um, women, the only thing that they had higher was arthritis on these on these five these five metrics, and and so you know you say like oh you know like the you know women have these higher this and that. Well, men have their higher things too, and maybe it's true that the and I'm not arguing that the medical system isn't somewhat geared toward men because it's been dominated by men researchers and physicians right and and this so this is like these specific things that you've said is this what you're on right now these risky behavior things no no it's it's uh, um it's like these chronic conditions are more common among men than women so the other thing the chart right beside it is this risky behavior one yeah so again like okay so if you're more likely to smoke cigarettes you're more likely to get cancer right if you're um, if you're drinking a lot more, <laughs> then you're more likely to have high blood pressure and diabetes, right? So it's like you bring these things on yourselves. <laughs> if you're a, if you know, there are certain things that that bring on some of the some of the dis- things that you mentioned for women too that are preventable. You know, like like there's certain <laughs> what like having kids. <laughs> that could, that's part of it, but <laughs> no, I was talking about I was talking about just uh, lifestyle activities. You know, like. You know, there's there's certain things that are preventable too. It just it's just again showing showing that that men have higher rates of this. They have higher death rates. They have higher rates of this. You know, the, the in these these specific cases. And so so there is some res- more research going toward these toward these cases. But there's been, like I said, there's been far more money spent on certain women's conditions than there are, there has been on a similar version for men. Um, the the uh, the 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 reason why I thought this article was interesting is that, is that I do think that, that you're, and you're absolutely right. Maybe there should be more, there should be more research on, on women's conditions, especially when it's far outpaced. Like I know about the, the, the women's heart attack thing. And it even mentions that in this article that, that um, the outcomes for women and heart attacks are, are, are not as good as, as they are for men because, because there's been so much more men. I was under the impression that men do have heart attacks more, more, uh, more frequently than women. Um, but again, it could be, because they have different symptoms, right? So, so a lot so of the time, due to misdiagnosis, possibly they go unreported yeah. or misdiagnosed. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and what I what I so the article goes on to talk about how the way that they're the way that they're tricking people into coming to the doctor more often is is to uh, uh, basically go through the urology department because the the number one reason why men will go to the doctor is because um, they can't get an erection and they or they can't pee. So, so the urology department is, is, is like the, the, the gatekeeper for a lot of men's health. And so they, what they started to do is turn the, uh, the urology departments into something that's a little bit more like a barbershop where they can come and hang out and sports memorabilia and it's less intimidating and kind of, you know, then they can go in and talk to them about their blood pressure and about their diabetes and these, these health markers that are really important. And, and, it, and it, to me, what I also found what was interesting was um, there's some pictures here and they even they even go on to say, like, maybe it's not so like macho sports centric, but just a little bit more like a hotel lobby or something like that or a lounge versus, you know, so it's a little bit, you know, you know, gender neutral, depending on your, um, you know, your preferences or whatever. Like me personally, I'm not a huge sports guy. So like having having like local sports teams on the wall wouldn't wouldn't be very, you know, attractive, you know, or, or enticing for me. Um, um, they also go on to talk about how it's important that, that the men go to this stuff because a lot of men think that because of advertising that low testosterone is going to solve all their problems and that's really sketchy as well and there's side effects of that. So it's really important that they actually go to real, you know, real, um, uh, you know, physicians that are actually doing the, you know, checking what needs to be checked. Um, and then there's there's some notes here on like how often you should be getting checked, you know, like the the physical exam annually. Yeah, I failed that ten years or <laughs> ten years in a row. <laughs> but um, but uh, you know other things too, just getting your you know getting your 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 A one C test, which is your blood sugar, which is really important. It's one of the things that everybody should 
should uh, be, be getting getting looked into um, as you age regularly, especially if you're if you're struggling with your weight. Um, it's one of the most important health markers that most people don't know about, and that's so so that's especially related to diabetes and things. Um, but but again, what I started seeing into this was like, well, isn't this kind of what we do as coaches at the gym? And and uh, and a lot of times it's our what we have to do is we have to try to trick people into into uh, doing the things that we know that is healthy for them and it's going to make their lives better, but they don't want to do it or they don't think that they need it or they think they need something else. And the one that I'm always going to is the cardio thing because they think that, you know what, I need more cardio. I want to lose this weight. I want to, I want to be skinnier or whatever. You know, why are we lifting so much weight? I want to do a longer Metcon. I want to do more cardio, you know, oh, I'm going to do the CrossFit class and then I'm going to do the boot camp class right afterward or, or even worse the other way around because they just want to do, they, they think that that's what they need instead of saying like, no, actually, if, if you really want to like lean out, it's better that you lift weights and watch what you eat, you know, and change some of your dietary habits versus just trying to, you know, do another, you know, add a spin class to your schedule when you're already coming to the gym three times per week. Um, um, another thing is, is making people do their mobility, right. And doing their rehab, prehab stuff, the stuff that's, that uh, it's, it's really hard to get people in the habit of doing it you know, uh, you know, men and women, you know, they, they want to just get out there and do it. They don't want to stop. They don't feel like, again, how is doing this, this activation thing for my shoulder? How is this going to make me skinnier? Or how is this going to affect my performance in the workout? I just want to get the workout done and do really good. Or I want to lose weight and stuff. And it's like, well, no, that's sh that, that shoulder thing is going to prevent you from injuring your shoulder and, and make sure that you don't have to take a break or modify everything because your shoulders hurt, you know, and, and it's a hard sell, you know, and I think, I think that, you know, they're talking about kind of changing some of the environment, you know, so, so sometimes this is part of the reason why I like scoring workouts is because, is, is because it makes it more of a game and you're not necessarily comparing to everybody else in the class. Some people do, but comparing to your old self and always trying to do a little bit better than before, you know, having it more of a social environment when you're doing classes where people are interacting and they're, they don't even realize it, but that's really important for being happy and healthy is having, you know, social interactions outside of people you work with, you know, and, and, um, um, you know, getting to know people and getting invited to things and hearing about other people's weekends and all that stuff is really important. And I think it's, it's one way we can entice people to come and eat their vegetables. Right. And that's ultimately what a lot of the training, <laughs> a lot of the training that we do is you've got to eat your vegetables. And then the dessert is the fun sweat con afterward where you get to like, Oh yeah, that workout was really hard. I worked, I must've burned a lot of calories and all that stuff. And you're like, yeah, no, no, okay, whatever. Good job. <laughs> I mean, what other ways do you think the, um, that you can kind of, that we as coaches have to kind of almost, almost trick people into doing the stuff that they need to do um, without necessarily like saying like, okay, we're going, we're, we're really being uh, manipulative. I don't know. It, it's, it's tough to say because we're not really in that manipulative part of the industry. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. um, there is definitely some shady manipulations and tricks stuff going on. But I think the coach for life model is more about like getting them to understand why they need to do these things. Right. And, and educating them on like trying to educate them as opposed to tricking them. So I don't know. I can't really think of any really good examples because it's more about, you know, making small changes while they're learning about what their lifestyle needs to be like so that they can make their own decisions and you don't have to trick them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, speaking of like the slimy aspects of it, like a lot of times, you know, people will, you know, if there's a demand, they'll, they'll try to like meet the demand. Oh, these, you know, I want to tell all these people, you can just come to the gym three times a week and do this, this long 40 minute sweat session. And that's going to make you look like this picture I have of some model I got off of the internet, you know? And, and that's, the, that's like, you know, setting up your restaurant and only selling junk food and really tasty foods. And, but people don't, can't eat anywhere else. And so, so you're doing it because that's what they want. You know, like I always say, like, you know, letting the, letting the, the members dictate the, the programming is like having your, your seven-year-old pick dinner every night. <laughs> it's it's going to be pizza and ice cream every night. <laughs> and, and while pizza and ice cream is fine, you know, occasionally and, and, uh, uh, but it's not a good, it's not good, a good long-term strategy. And the same thing goes where I think that, Oh, people are asking for it. So I'm going to give them this stuff. And it's like, when we know that that's not what they need to get to get to where they want to go. Um, but you're doing it because they want it. And then you're going to tell them it's going to work, which is lying. 
right? Because you know it's not going to work. Um, uh, you know, same thing goes with, oh, yeah, you know, like you can do, you know, follow this, you know, buy this supplement and you'll get, you'll get all these results. Or, or again, it's, it's just telling people what they want to hear, you know. And well, is it, you know, when we were going over your programming, um, when you were kind of discussing when you do the trade off between like a longer Metcon and a more, or a less heavy lift, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of like swap it, right? So it's kind of like the trade-off is if you can get through and, and do all the heavy shit, then at the end of the cycle, you get to go back to those long Metcons that people love, right? So it is, there is a balance there. Physiologically, you do need both, obviously, right? But some people like to lift and some people like to run, right? So. Yeah, yeah. And you can, you can incorporate the fun, the fun stuff. And that's, I mean, that's really where the art of programming comes in where, where again, like I could make the programming maybe a little bit more effective from like a performance in the gym and results standpoint that way. But if it, it would be more, way more boring. And so I'm still trying to incorporate fun things. And sometimes I put things in workouts just to make it more interesting and less monotonous. Um, uh, and it's not for any magical you know, programming benefit. And that's, again, that's kind of one of the slimy things I see with, with certain gyms and programs is they're putting things in there just to make it seem more scientific or more like special, <laughs> different, unique. Yeah. And it's like, that doesn't, it, that's not, it's not, I will tell you. Go ahead. I will tell you one of the things that I do do on a regular basis to manipulate. Um, and it's, I do with my kids. Um, we always eat dinner around the table. Um, like all together, like we dinner as a family. But if I know that they haven't like really been eating all their vegetables and they haven't been getting enough protein or like maybe, you know, they've, they've been skipping their dark greens every single night for a couple nights in a row, then I'll make like a big soup or a big salad with just tons of vegetables in it um, and put on a movie and let them eat dinner in front of the TV. Cause then they'll eat, like literally they'll just eat whatever is in front of them. Right. That's one of the reasons why we have an obesity epidemic for kids is because so many people eat while they're playing video games or watching TV that they don't notice their intake. But I do the opposite with vegetables. <laughs> well, and that, and that comes, that's like the improving the average or measure, you know, measuring the most recent thing is like, you know, like it's been a few days and they've been really giving me grief about this and I'm tired of fighting them on it. So I'm going to trick them into into eating more vegetables it's funny because the opposite with with my son is if the tv's on he doesn't eat at all like he just like he'll put like a the fork to his mouth and he'll put his fork down and then 10 minutes will go by and he won't eat another bite <laughs> even if it's something he likes like he's just so like and if, he's been like that his whole life and so with like we literally have to like t turn off the tv and be like and he's like what are you doing and it's like eat they like force force feed this this kid but um but no, that's, right. that's a, that's a great example of like, like, again, like with the programming too, like putting a Metcon after a lift is really just a way to entice people to come in and get their lifting in, eat their vegetables, and then they get their, their sweat on. You know, I, again, I create the workout sometimes, so they look really easy on paper. I'd say that's one of my, one of my, oh, well, hello. <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, you know, that's one of the ways that I, I try to trick people into coming in is it looks really easy on paper or it looks fun on paper. And then it ends up being you know, harder than they thought, you know, so we're trying to give people less reasons to not come in, you know, um, uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 is it manipulative? It's like, yeah, but we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're not totally lying. We're not lying or, or, you know, doing it for our own personal gain, you know, so it's a little bit of manipulation to get people to they, what they want right? To get them what they want. I think most people are okay with that. You know, like a little bit of like, Oh, you got me, you know, like, <laughs> thank you for doing that and, and making me better. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so let me stop sharing the screen. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. I, I think that, um, uh, the, the, I'm still fascinated by the whole like tricking men into going to the doctor more. Um, but it, maybe we should fig figure out how to trick people into, into doing more research on women's problems. <laughs> and I, and I hope that, I hope that that changes, you know, like I said, I think, I do think it's probably systemic because of the, the, the male dominated profession in the medical world of, uh, and that's probably why a lot of the research has been that way. Um, and, and, uh, and it, but it is interesting that, that, uh, that again, men are engaging in these riskier behaviors and going to the doctor less, um, when we think about it from a fitness standpoint, again, I think most of the gyms that I worked with and all the gyms that I've owned, by far all the gyms that I own, I've owned were more women than men. 
Um, and I wonder if it's the same sort of mentality of like, I don't want to go to a class and be told how to work out because that's me needing help and seeming weak. And I think that, um, oh, I can do it myself kind of mentality comes in too. Um, uh, and, then in, and so I, th I think that's why we don't see as many men in class type, type fitness environments. And can we, can we change the environment to be a little bit more um, enticing for, for men to come to less intimidating? Cause again, they don't want to be weak, you know, especially if they're all the women in the class are fitter than them, then, then it's, it's an ego check, right? <laughs> which is, which, which is one of the reasons why, you know, I always speculated why the, the, the gyms that I've always run all the people there were really cool because you can't be an egotistical jerk. You'll get washed out real quick when all the women keep doing more weight than you and beating you in every workout. You, if, if you let that bother you, you, you won't stick around. Right. And so all the people who are left are the cool people who are just there to work on themselves and like seeing other people succeed. Right. Easy. Is, I, I, I know you, there's probably more you want to rant about this article about the. On, no, on. no, I'm done. If I if I go on, I'll go on forever. <laughs> I like how you had you had prearranged statistics. You totally blindsided me. <laughs> I was like, whoa, hey, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I didn't do a bunch of research for that for that angle, but but um, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it was an interesting perspective. So. Uh, Going back to the first part we talked about, think about the averages, think about, think about what you can measure um, simply and easily and just over the last few days up to about a week. Um, start small, don't, don't try to like get really detailed. You know, I think a lot of people will, will decide they're gonna make a change and they make all these plans and they detail all this stuff out and it's all this stuff in the future when it's like, we well, just need to worry, okay, that, you know, it's good to kind of do some of that planning, but that didn't, you didn't do anything, right? Planning has this weird, um, uh, you know, effect where, where we can spend all this time planning and organizing and feel this sense of accomplishment. And we actually didn't do anything. Right? Anything. Yeah. That's really interesting. I never thought about that. Oh yeah. I yeah. know it's, it's, it's uh, um, something they've researched actually <laughs> that people feel like they've accomplished a lot. You know, you get your schedule all planned out and you know, I'm going to do all these things. I got this whole program I'm going to follow and all right, day one. And by like day three, it's like, oh, that all, that's all gone out the window, you know? <laughs> and, and you really didn't get any progress. And so it's more important that, again, you spend that energy and time, again, just focusing on the now, right? Cool. That's it, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Gigi. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. You know, um, kept, kept, uh, keep sending us articles and, and stuff you want us to talk about, especially if there's something that seems confusing or contradictory to what you already believed. And uh, we will pick it apart and, and, uh, break it down so that uh, um, something that you can you can learn from see you later bye